Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, I am having a friend who is near and dear on. He is one of the most talented comedians, hosts, just all-around talents out there doing his thing in New York. He does a show called Hype School on Snapchat and Instagram, and he works with our friends over at Overtime. I'm going to let you know who he is. You get to watch him this week, coming up in a little bit. But first, Darlene, it's all you, girl. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Thank you so much, my dear Darlene. You are just tremendous at your job. All right, today's guest is my guy. Mm -hmm. Kyle Pennant. He is the host of Hype School. I don't know if that sounds like him, but anyway. (laughs) Hype School on Snapchat and Instagram. Um, Kyle is a comedian who uses his sense of humor to spice up everything. You definitely can see that in Hype School. Um, It's a part of the Overtime Empire. Kyle, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so pumped to have you. All right, so we're going to jump into you as a comedian, you as the host of Hype School. Uh-oh. But I just want to share my little first story of when I met Kyle. Let's talk about it. I was coming to do Hype School, myself and, what's your homegirl that's a fire comedian in the area? Von DiCarlo. Von DiCarlo, she's so fun. Funny, she's funny hilarious. woman. If you get a chance to see her show, go see her. Uh, fiance of the late, great Patrice O'Neal. Oh, didn't know that. Okay, yeah. um, Von is great. Chloe Pavlik, Overtime Chloe was also there. We're doing this Overtime shoot. And we're working with our producer. Uh, Travis was there that day, and Ugo was there, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. And I just remember being like, is this the right host? Like, is this Kyle that's super hype on Hype School? Because you are so low-key in, in person. person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm two different people. <laughs> What's that about? Is that just a necessity of the business? Uh, Because you don't... I'm not like... When I'm having fun with my friends... That's when I'm my most animated, my most energetic, and like coming into stand-up when I was like when I was thinking of performing for the first time, I had to ask myself, when am I the most funniest? And then try to emulate that and give somewhat of a performance, so it's not just a guy saying words. Okay. And so that's where it comes in. Like I try to keep the energy of when something's really funny, and then everybody just starts teaming up, teaming up, teaming up, teaming up, and your whole crew is like cracking up. That's the energy I want to embody whenever I actually perform. All right, so how did you come to hype school? How did that happen? Man, that's so weird. <laughs> like, people ask me, like, how do you be successful in social media? I still don't know, honestly. What happened for me is I was uh, I was working for the government. Shout out to and government employment. And I decided I no longer want to work for the government. I had a good job. I was graduating school, about to enter law school, and I just quit everything. And I moved away from my college without finishing. I had six credits left. And then I just started doing stand-up. And then this girl I know who I went to high school with named Ugo, she she interviewed with Overtime at a job fair for her master's program in NYU. Interviewed. She didn't get the job, but they said, do you know anybody funny? And so, like, she ended up recommending me to do this project that you can never see because mm-hmm. it's been taken down for so many reasons. <laughs> but you'll never see it. I did it with uh, Buster Sher. It's called Take That L. And from there, we just kept doing more things. Like, I've done a bunch of different pilots with Overtime. But that's the one that, like, is a moneymaker. Hype school. Hype this school. Is the moneymaker. Yeah. Um, speaking of Overtime pilots, hopefully... I know I don't know how much we can say about this, but the Summer Throne was something that you used your talents to host to the summer in Vegas, yeah. which was wild. I do want to add, and in one particular challenge, I could have strangled you because I didn't appreciate you. Could have strangled me. <laughs> your ill-timed funnies when I'm trying to get out of this super stupid challenge. But anyway, I don't want to give it away. All right, so 
Let's just give a little bit more love to Ugo because that's my girl. Mm-hmm. And y'all go way back. And clearly she's opened some major I've known her since I was like 14 or 15. She's amazing. Yeah. That makes sense why you guys sort of quarrel like siblings then. I get it. Yeah. Like I talk to her like somebody I love and know for my entire life. So I'll be more wild with her than I will with anybody else. Um, makes perfect sense. All right, so my producer, Bruce Bernstein, is usually also my sidekick. So I have to make sure that he's represented in this podcast. And Bruce spent years at ESPN working alongside Stuart Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, in his notes, he wants to know if that's someone that you've admired. For, for Bruce, he thinks that your style is sort of like a new school version of what Stuart Scott sort of embodied in terms of pushing the envelope and being fresh and energetic. Sports Center, Stuart Scott, familiar? Um, all right, here's the thing. So I don't, two things. I love talking about sports and I love making jokes, but I don't want to be a sports comedian. Stuart Scott wasn't a comedian, but he was like naturally funny and naturally engaging and naturally authentic. You know what I mean? Like there's no parts of him that I think he withheld from his audience. And so that's why so many people gravitate to him like years after his death. And I grew up in the era where he was the top 10 countdown. Mm -hmm. Like, Stuart Scott, Booyah, all that. Like, when Stephen A. Smith was still covering AI, like, (laughs) that was kind of the golden years of me getting into sports. Mm -hmm. And so that's a high compliment, in my opinion. Um, What are your sports loyalties? Uh, I have two loyalties, right? Uh, The first loyalty is the Boston Celtics. What? <laughs> I'm surprised to hear that. Okay, why? Why is that? Where, where, okay, you got to tell me why. Continue. I'm. I fell in love with this with the Celtics on some bullshit. <laughs> I, I don't know. Let me not curse. I fell in love. Safe with, space. You're fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> the reason why is because I don't know if you guys remember, like NBA Live back in the day used to let you customize any player, any team, and you can make all the trades you wanted. And so because I could put all my favorite players on a team and then have a random person who doesn't exist who's level 99, I just picked the team with the best colors when I was eight, and it was the Celtics. Green and white. My favorite color at okay. the time. And so now, like, I just kept – that was my team, and it's become my team, and I follow them, and I love them, and I lucked up into a great franchise because I could easily love the Cavaliers. You – or the Wizards. Or the Clippers. Like <laughs> you, you could – well, the Clippers are kind of cool now. Now. Right? I get it. Um, all right, so let's talk about this love for the Boston Celtics that are uh-huh. actually a really good franchise. Where are you on Kyrie? I'm glad he's gone. Honestly, I remember the day that we got Kyrie, I literally was in my apartment, and I dropped everything, and I did a lap. I was so happy that Kyrie was coming to the Celtics, and then the season happened. <laughs> At what point did you say abort? I don't know, probably around the All-Star break. It's like, once you realize we're nowhere near as good as we were when we like dominated the Eastern Conference and the only major difference is we have Kyrie. Like it's supposed to be Kyrie's back, Hayward's back. We're about to run the board in the East. Obviously didn't happen. As we say in the Washington metropolitan area, AKA the DMV, thought it was. <laughs> Bummer. You thought. <laughs> you thought it was. Uh, Bruce is chiming in via text. Bruh, Kyrie was a diva, which you seem to agree with. Uh, not so much that. I don't mind his personality. It's just his play style is so ball dominant it didn't give a lot of space to the guys like Tatum and Brown who needed their space to shine. Even uh, Scary Terry didn't Scary get Terry. He didn't get what he should have gotten, and I think that's the major reason we lost Horford. All right, so following your team, one of the things that I felt like went under the radar last year was the role that Brad Stevens played or did not play in the lack of success, we'll call it. Are you a players make it happen sort of guy? Are you looking at a head coach? Where did you assess and place responsibility and blame in these conversations? All right. So first, I think if you just look at the talent that they had, even the year before Kyrie. Sorry. All good. Even the year before Kyrie, you can tell Brad Stevens is a brilliant coach. He knows his basketball and he's able to get the most out of his players. In that particular situation, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Thank you for stating that. But that's only because he should have been like, hey, Kyrie, we got to limit what you're doing. I know this is how you're used to playing, but this is how you're going to. Almost like he should have took that Bill Belichick, Mm -hmm. kiss my ass. This Mm -hmm. is how we roll. Mm -hmm. But he didn't. And I think part of it is because, like, one player can change your entire franchise. Kyrie is a franchise player. And he had a short contract. So you 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 wanted to appeal to his uh, sense of re-signing with your team. So I don't fault him in that sense. I guess. I'll give you that. But I'm glad to hear someone say something about the coach and not just 
the pieces on the floor. All right, so this season we roll in. Mm-hmm. Gotta love my guy Kimball Walker, true point guard. Yeah. Even from the time that we've seen him mic'd up in various games to this point in the season, definitely, He's I don't want to say polar opposites of Kyrie, but certainly a leader of men, someone who seems to take a lot of pride in being able to galvanize. You don't guys think Kyrie's him. a leader? Here's my thing on leadership, and this is something that I have studied, like through my experience in sports. True leadership, the epitome mm-hmm. of leadership, is this idea of servitude, right? Like you're, you have to serve those around you. I don't know that with that group, Kyrie mm-hmm. just setting the example was enough because in basketball there's still one ball, right? Like I'm not, I wouldn't question his work ethic, I wouldn't question his intensity of the game or his skill ability. Hella talented, never take that away from Kyrie. Sure. But in that space, like you said, with those young guys, uh-huh. that had to be more about incorporating them into what we're doing and helping them grow, especially because, like you said, they just did it without you, bro. So what are we doing? Yeah, but honestly, it's almost like they did it, but their style of play didn't fit his style of play. So it's almost like you're making orange juice with apples. So I feel you on that, but it's still basketball. And so for me, if Kyrie was elite level of leadership, someone that Malcolm Gladwell would be writing about, he would have figured out a way to make it work. Because you can't argue that that group was not talented. They were. They were supremely talented, but he was as selfish as they were talented. But I don't think that didn't make him a leader. That just... His his style of play is like I can make any shot, and so nine times out of ten, I want to take that. It's, the, it's a okay. better shot than you, who's making thirty percent of your shots. I'll give you that, and I what I would not call Kyrie not a leader. I just think Kemba and Kyrie are very different types of leaders. True, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like definitely, Kyrie is the guy. Follow my lead. Like give me the ball. We're gonna win together. I'm gonna carry you. Basically. Kemba to me is gonna be like this is your role. This is your role. When it comes down to crunch time, then comes to me. But we all have a piece in this. Kyrie could care less about everybody pieces as long as he was handling his business. But that's because Kyrie has that Kobe mentality. And that's fine. I, Kobe's not high on my personal leader list either. I hate Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Remember I said I had two loyalties? That's my second loyalty. You hate to Kobe I Bryant? hate Kobe. And maybe a third would be the Lakers under Kobe because Kobe ascended the Lakers in terms of... I remember I had a friend, my best friend in high school who lives in London. Shout out Jamie Thompson. This dude was in love with Kobe so much, I invented the term Kobe-sexual. <laughs> Because, like, he said he would rather meet Kobe, play one-on-one with Kobe, than, like, meet the girl of his dreams, get married to Beyonce, all these things. Like, and that's how Lakers fans are. They're the most annoying. I hate, every, I hate everything about L.A. Kobe Like, okay. the Lakers are horrible. And Kobe sexuals are the worst because you can't speak logic to them. You, I will agree with you on that. And my dear best friend, who does not live in London, but she's getting married next year, um, would be considered one of those Kobe folks. Just you, You're right. You literally can't talk about it. Tonight. They never, and no, even with his Achilles snapped and rolling around <laughs> in the ball of his foot, they still said he was better than LeBron in that moment. I can't, I can't do it with him. Um, Wow, that you know. So, Kobe fans are your least favorite. Well, how do you feel about the Michael Jordan crew? Uh, I mean, I'm on that, but okay. I don't think MJ is the greatest of all time. Uh oh. But I'm in the minority of who I think the goat is. Tell me. Now, no one. Tell me. You're teasing me. us now. The tell real me. goat of basketball is Allen Iverson. Explain. Because of what he could do. So it's like, at six foot, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. maybe 150 pounds. Mm-hmm. He was able to average 30 points. He was able to be MVP. He was able to beat Kobe and Shaq, even if it was only one game. Beat them in the finals with relatively nobody on his team. That is a feat that probably is highly underrated. I agree with you. But our so your argument is predicated on the skill set and the natural abilities that one has. It's that, but then it's also like the same influence that Michael Jordan had. Like in sneakers, no one could touch MJ in sneakers. Well, how about in overall fashion? You can't touch Facts. Allen Iverson. The whole rule was changed yeah. because of AI. <laughs> you you really can't mess with what this guy's done. Like his crossover is so dope, they had to outlaw it. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like Shaq. It's like anytime you get something that's so dominant, eventually they make rules to make it fair for other people. Mm-hmm. You're, you're Georgetown. Yeah. I don't even have to. That's I, I was. I loved it. I'm with it. <laughs> Bring it. I'm here for it. Iverson is the GOAT. I don't see anybody. If he was 6'8 and still had his same skill set, easily. Easy, there wouldn't be an argument because he'd be able to do everything Absolutely. Michael could do. He's going to do the LeBron blocks with his athleticism. He's dunking over but everybody. I will say, I think if he was 6'8", that takes away from what we love. Which is what? In that he was this 
guy who was supposed to be sort of counted out at each level, whether you talk about his time in Virginia, getting to Georgetown, getting to the pros, like he wasn't supposed to achieve what he did. You could argue that Michael's path outside of the, the part in his speech where he mentions getting picked last or not chosen for his high school varsity team whatever yeah varsity though you're still on a team and that's what i'm saying you could <laughs> argue that he was sort of groomed between his natural gifts and abilities going to a thoroughbred university in north carolina and then going to the nba whereas yeah. ai i mean he didn't win a title at georgetown at that point i mean that was the tail end of coach thompson's greatness sort of kind of and that was more part of his legacy because of what he went and rescued ai from yeah um, I love that though. That's actually, all right. So let's, I, I didn't plan to take this here, but you're a smart guy and I love having conversations with you. Do you think AI would get more credit if not for what some would argue his checkered? I don't, I don't think so, man. Cause honestly, I think that's like some old people stuff. Like okay. old, there's only a select few people who really appreciate AI, and that's the people who are alive to see him play. It's like the people who appreciate what Grant Hill was. Mm. Most of them are only the people who saw him before the injury. Got it. And I think that's where Allen Iverson is. Like, if you're around to see him play, you don't question it, right? And then okay. there's old people who are ne- – old people are always old-fashioned in that they're like, he doesn't act like Larry Bird. He's not Magic Johnson. Like, it's that type of person who's like – you're going to be forgotten anyway, so I'm not really caring about your opinions, right? Because we're moving forward. Like, more people's mentalities now, Kobe's mentality is way closer to Allen Iverson than it was to, like, a Magic Johnson. Okay. His personality, the way he's like, I don't give a damn about you. He'll talk trash to anybody. That's more Allen Iverson. For sure. Everybody we love, like, how we love the sound bites in the interviews, that's Allen Iverson. He's just himself when he comes to that podium. He's not hiding himself. He's not hiding his background. He's not hiding his influences. I couldn't even tell you the type of person Michael Jordan is, honestly. He likes to sell shoes. We know that. I know I know he likes <laughs> shoes, cigars, and young white women. I don't know anything oh else about Michael Jordan. <laughs> that's hilarious. I think that's a very good point. And you, I would agree with you that the guys that are most authentic are the ones that endear themselves to us, even if we love to hate them, right? Like, Because now I'm thinking to your point about who brings me Allen Iverson, a guy like Russell Westbrook, who isn't always light and fluffy with the media. Sometimes he's very gruff. Um, I think even you could say Joel Embiid, sort of, kind of. I don't know how much I buy this whole thing with Kat and him for real in real life, but whatever. Um, Uh, Nah. Nah. (laughs) But I, I agree with you, the athletes that are most authentic. All right, so doing it right now. Not your greatest of all time. Doing uh-huh. it right now. Who are your top mm, top three, top five? What you got for me in the NBA right now? Your uh, personal. I'm not saying, like, tell me who you rocking with. All right. I'll give you my top. I'll give you my number one player who's not at his best right now is Chris Paul, my favorite player. Okay. I'm, I'm just a fan of short guys. Like, if you see a trend, like, <laughs> Iverson, Chris Paul, Steve Nash. Muggsy Bowles on this list. Nah, but Isaiah <laughs> Thomas. Like, I like, I'm in love with point guards. So that's who I modeled myself after when I figured myself a basketball player back in the day. How long was that? Did you get buckets? I mean, I didn't, yeah, I stopped hooping, like, the same time I started doing stand-ups, like, four or five years ago. Oh, okay. I just stopped playing because I was like, well, I got to devote myself to something. <laughs> Why am I in the gym if I'm not going pro at this? This thing I can actually be good at and make money off of. But, all right, so my top five in the league right now. Chris Paul? No, no, I'm just telling you, he's my favorite. Okay, favorite, top five. Every list, I want to put him above everybody, but Chris Paul excluded. Okay. Uh, Right now, I got to put Westbrook. Uh, Jason Tatum's sneaky good, man. I believe in him, but he's not there yet. I'm going to leave him off my list, but I just honorable mention, Jason Tatum, uh, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, even though he's injured, Steph Curry, I'm surprised by that from you, but go ahead. Steph? Yeah. What? What? What is? All right. Let me let me finish, and okay. then I'll let you. I'm I'm at four right yep. now, and number five, my fifth best player might be Giannis. All right, that's a solid list. Definitely with you on Russ, Giannis. Holy! Sh- and wait, above what? everybody. Sorry, we're throwing Giannis off that list. Okay, number one, Giannis. LeBron James. I'm sorry. I'm. I apologize, King. I didn't mean it. <laughs> but you play for the Lakers. I, oh, what does that do to your heart? This is what it's like, right? <laughs> so, like, to give you an analogy, I'm blessed enough to be alive long enough. To, like, I'm young enough to see Jordan play for the Wizards, but I'm too young because that's all I remember. Like, I don't really remember the the, the Bulls days. I was alive, but I don't mm-hmm. remember it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
The Wizards is all I remember, which is oh god, it's about as equal as being alive and only remembering like Jesus's execution. You just remember the worst part of it, even though you were alive throughout. And so that's how I feel about LeBron right now. It's like if I die today, my last memories are gonna be like him on the cross right now. Like, and just it's it's disgusting. But you were you you were there for peak LeBron going back to Cleveland in the the two, three, two with Miami. Three? Nah. It's almost like it's like every time I turn on the screen, it's like I'm watching somebody throw up into a butthole. Like it's just it I'm <laughs> physically analogies. I'm physically disgusted watching one of my favorite people. When Chris Paul, when that trade got blocked, I celebrated. <laughs> like, I, I probably it almost that. ruined my life. <laughs> I can't because I always I root for LeBron, but now it's like it's so hard to love LeBron. So I guess you were doubled over in pain when Kobe Gave LeBron mad love on the sideline the other night. I mean, he's a coposexual, though. That's the thing. Like, I knew that about LeBron. He was always that. He was, as much as people call him the king, he was always bowing down and showing deference to Kobe throughout his tenure in the league Mm -hmm. with LeBron. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right, so let's get into this five. Bruce is chiming in. No Harden on your list? No, even though he's scoring, like, around damn near 40 every game, and I... It seems blasphemous, but you got to play defense. So here's my thing on Harden. I'm with you. I'm like, all right, dude can score lights out. But I will say I'm looking at it with a new lens hearing Russell Westbrook talk about it. Because if Russ is deferring and saying how incredible this dude is and we know what Russ is capable of, I'm listening with a different ear. But that's the part that makes it. When was the last time you talked about Russell Westbrook? He was a perennial MVP, MVP candidate, yeah, MVP. and now he's taking such a backseat to Harden's 30 points, well, 33s. I think, but it's November, yeah. almost December. I think Russ will be, mm, I d- never, he won't drive anymore, but he'll definitely be passenger seat with the GPS and the aux cord come playoff time. <laughs> because James hasn't been able to do it alone. But he shouldn't be that. He's nobody Scottie Pippen. If anything, he showed that with Kevin Durant. But in this league... We're not dealing with Scottie Pippen. Everybody has to go team up. Are you? I mean, are you saying Paul George is he's Kawhi's guy? Yeah, he's well, that's, I mean, he seems to have a Scottie personality. But <laughs> I think at this point for Russ and James, it's about getting to the next level of their career and winning a championship. Yeah. But also, it just doesn't seem like the Westbrook I know. And if you're getting... but this uh, is, So this goes back to the conversation about being a leader, right? And uh-huh. this is a different form of leadership, but it takes those chameleon-like qualities. I feel you 100%, but it's almost adapt or die. Like, these bums trying to get to a title. But I don't think that's... All right, so one, in, in D'Antoni's crazy way of playing, Harden is everything he dreamed Carmelo would be, right? You're going to shoot nonstop and make a good clip of what you're putting up. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, it's at the expense of Mr. Triple Double. Like when you're just, he takes like 12 dribbles before his step back. There's so much time just being chewed off the clock that is not a lot to go around when you want everybody to get off individually, which the Rockets are built to have role player, role player, role player, role player, James Harden. But in this instance, Russell Westbrook is not a role player. He's supposed to show up like Tyson in the terry cloth, punch you in the mouth, put on some skinny jeans and put in a blouse and then just walk off into the sunset. <laughs> I, yes, but I think you have to separate what we know into what is, right? Like, this is growth. To me, this is a tremendous degree of growth. And I don't know, I mean, I don't even know the length of Russell's deal in Houston. I wouldn't be surprised if that's not his last stop. But if this is what it takes to get to a title, like, that's where we are. Well, I don't think they're going to do it. They're not better than the Clippers. They're not better than the Clippers. They can get to a Western Conference title. Maybe. I, I mean, if they – I honestly, I think it's going to be, like, a stable center conference finals. But if it's not, I can see them there. Yeah. Or maybe the Nuggets, one of them. I love the Nuggets. The Nuggets make me really excited about the future. I also am a big fan of the Jazz, though. They make me really excited about the future, too. All right, you mentioned Carmelo Anthony. He's going to Portland. Are you a Carmelo guy? I love Bella. Yeah. I did, too. I, like, loved him at Syracuse. Like, almost would have gone to Syracuse. Because of him? Because of him. But he was gone <laughs> you already. You wouldn't even be playing for the same coach. <laughs> it's true. But I was so in love with Melo. Like, I was the ball girl at a game when he came to play Georgetown, and it was like, oh, my God. And some of his little right braid there. sweat hit you on the cheek. <laughs> I kept that shirt. Like, it's like, Mom, I was right there. But anyway, um, okay, he's going to Portland. What do you uh-huh. think? What thoughts? Honestly, I'm just glad he's somewhere because it didn't make sense. Like, it's so disrespectful to have Carmelo it's Anthony. It's almost like he kneeled for the national anthem or something. Honestly. 
it's messed up. Like to think Antonio Brown, his entire situation, like just because you brought it up, the fact that Antonio Brown was accused of rape and catching passes three days later, and Mello was still on the sidelines. <laughs> Couldn't even practice with Team USA. Still on the sidelines. So what man. does it say? The way through the lens of Kyle Pennant, what does that say about the NBA? Honestly, I don't know. I the only thing, the only parallels I've drawn, like, because this happened to Melo, this next thing happened, is that's why we're seeing LeBron go off. Melo is like the first one of his superstar friends to just be ousted before his time. And LeBron's like, well, that could happen to me, like via injury or something. And so now I gotta go off. Hashtag washed king. Revenge season, right? <laughs> like he said, like, I'm giving the reins to Antonio Davis. AD's gonna take off. We're focused on the brown on the brow this year, right? But then that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing LeBron drop 30, leading the league in assists every night, every night, every night. What is that? Uh, uh, and then Antonio challenged him to renew his commitment on defense, and he's like stepped up to that. So what we're seeing is, I think, the fear of becoming Carmelo led LeBron. That's my conspiracy theory. I mean, father time, mother time, whichever you prefer, is undefeated for all of us. Because Melo never did anything. Like he never pulled a gun in the locker room. Like I don't. <laughs> I, have, Arenas. Right? <laughs> I have no reason to believe there was a there's a logical reason to keep him off your team it just don't make sense to me that's i think it's more of a commentary on like fit and style of play I, but i agree i mean in today's style of play Melo money because you i mean Melo didn't exactly help himself because he was not willing to come off the bench and then he finally resigned to doing that yeah and he wasn't he wasn't looking for like a vet minimum in fact uh one of my sources we'll call them in the city um he's been working out preparing to join portland we're taping this pod on a monday or on tuesday preparing to join Portland today. He's like, the dude is not out here after a swan song. Like, this is not it for him. Exactly. He doesn't feel like he should have been out the league in the first place. But again, same thing we've seen with bigs that can't shoot or stretch the floor. You got to adapt or die. His days of being the guy, I don't know that he has the ability to give us what we're seeing out of a rejuvenated and refreshed LeBron, even though he arguably sat out the same amount of time as LeBron with the injury. All right, here's my argument to that. So Melo, in his time in the league, even before Steph Curry revolutionized this pace and jacking up threes no matter what, which everybody's on right now except Giannis, <laughs> like, Melo was the guy who was already built to do that. He was, like, in year three, shooting with three seconds Mello off the clock. Melo was mid-range king, though. Yeah, his mid-range is and still I don't, I don't think there's any reason to change that because if you could put westbrook and d'antoni system and him not give away i'm just listening i can hear this all in my head just open it i know i'm trying to be i'm trying to be slick you opening the bag of chips in class right now my bad go ahead i just i'm addicted to these things as the holidays like whatever okay all right we're done but yeah so the fact that he could do that means with all the injuries golden states had this season why wouldn't he fit in there why wouldn't you pick him up for a season Try to make it to the playoffs. See if you can get. I don't know if it's that simple. That's what I'm saying. Is it the is it the money side of it? But I don't. Melo said he's as far as I know. I watched that interview he did with Stephen A. And he was basically like, "I'm willing to bend." That was the whole mm -hmm. theme of that interview. Is like, if you he want me really to do sad this. In that interview. I mean, honestly, I I know that's not how he's talking to Lala. I <laughs> hope that they're still talking. <laughs> I mean, he posted something about. I think they're still married. I I don't know. <laughs> You're in New York, Kyle. Get your sources. Lala's dead, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> because she died on power. Yeah, that's the last I saw. Of her. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see. I definitely think it's. He's a guy that I think a lot of people get behind. I'd love to see him put up some solid numbers. Yeah. Portland is not as good as they were. Yeah. So like the actual fit and what we're going to see and being able to compete is going to be something curious to see. I believe in him. I believe in him. I believe in Dame. I believe in CJ. That alone. In the West? I believe in them enough to make an eighth seed. Okay, play, I was going to say, yeah. All right, playoffs. I'll give you that. Yeah, like, and honestly, they shouldn't be an eighth seed. They should be higher than that, but they can definitely make that top eight. Hmm. Clippers? Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow, let's think about the West. Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets. Jazz. Jazz, Suns, too. So you got the Suns in playoffs? Okay. The Suns are probably going to make the playoffs. So we're the uh, Rockets. The Rockets. And then, who were your last two teams? That's a good question. 
Um, I, I felt like Sacramento was on a roll, but I, don't, I think they fall. I don't off. believe in them at all. Although I love, oh my God, I love speed. Like you wouldn't believe it looking at me. I'm a fast nigga. Like, <laughs> I'm fast as hell. <laughs> I love fast players. Like they excite me so much. Okay. And you know, like watching Swipe of the Fox go it's at it with my same Fox. nappy ass hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love, okay, wait, let me think. The Mavs, Mavs can get the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know. They Luka, could. They could. Luca, also, KP. That. Oh my God! You just made me feel good. Did KP is something like all my friends call me. Oh okay. But nobody in New York calls me that because I don't tell them to. Like it just happened one day. Like back in the day, like people start calling you things. Okay. This well, is the first in so long. Like I feel at home right. Now. I don't want to ruin the moment, but I definitely was talking about Christoph Przingis. But oh, I can call you KP too. Oh shit. <laughs> Luca and KP, and I was like, "You're getting emotional." I, I just thought you meant Kyle Panic, but it's okay. fine. I'll call you KP. I'll be one of your friends. I, be, I forget about Porzingis. That's how good Luca is this season. Luca is incredible. <laughs> he's putting up like 28, 10, and nine. Yeah, he's balling, but Baby also LeBron. refusing to play defense. He's James Harden White. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a conversation last night on the show about his durability over time because alan han our guy we love alan han mm -hmm. was saying that if you look at him he's kind of got a dad bod thing going on so <laughs> yeah he is chubby <laughs> we've got to see <laughs> the longevity that's going to come along with that um all right we western conference for real yeah wait a minute can we talk about this Let's why about is it. it that when the mavs get a foreign player his body looks like shit <laughs> dirk was built like a soccer but coach dirk was seven is seven feet tall though yeah but also couldn't run he could shoot didn't need to run. Didn't need to run. Didn't need to work out. Didn't need to do sit-ups. <laughs> Dirk is married to a black woman, so Dirk is fine by me. Kristaps, he looks like an albino Somalian. <laughs> <laughs> he put on some muscle this offseason, I think, a little bit. It's got to be little. <laughs> nah, albino Somalian. Listen, but if these people get it done, what's our boy in... Denver with the super dad bod that that was crushing. Oh, you talking about Djokovic? Yeah, come on, dad bods could be in. Yeah, you foreign players gotta work out, man. Why <laughs> was Steve Nash the last fit foreign player? I mean, we got Frank Nilakina. Well, I mean the white ones, oh, okay, black sorry. guys. I don't know what it is with us. We put on muscle accidentally. <laughs> Mario Hazonia's fit, kinda. I think. I don't know where he. I don't even know what team he was here last year. I don't know where he is now. Uh, I'm trying to think now. You know, Kyle, this is this is these are good points. This is a, <laughs> definitely something to evaluate. Um, what's this guy? Brett, does Iggy Brad does Dakis count? Because he's in great shape. Wait, put me up on this guy. He went to Michigan. He's on the Knicks roster now. That's why I don't know. But he's not. I don't know if he's like true European. Like he he went to Michigan and he spent time in the states. So maybe he doesn't count. Okay, maybe. But he's in great shape. I'm trying to think of like real. European guys. This is Monica. Like, which white guys do I got the hots for? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Bruce is chiming in. We got Djokovic, the tennis player. He's in great shape, but we're sticking to basketball. Wait, wait. It's oh, <laughs> about Novak. <laughs> I mean, he is in phenomenal shape. I don't know. You know, it's weird. Tennis players. I, I don't know. I don't want to ruin your podcast. <laughs> Is this edited after? Absolutely. All right, I can say whatever then. <laughs> like, tennis players have these weird, like, porn loving forearms. <laughs> like, their calves are huge, their forearms are massive, and then their bodies, they just look like preteens. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, the men are like that. The women have fitness bodies all over. Like, they have the complete package every time tone shoulders, tone whatever. The men, it's like, it's only calf raises and beating off. If you're a male tennis player, it's I, so odd. I cannot deal with you. <laughs> and Bruce chimes in. He wasn't talking about tennis. He was making a correction because I said the wrong name when we were talking about Joker. Oh, the Joker. The that is true. Joker. I don't know if I know his real name. Um, Bruce, what's his real name? Right, right to us. In the I always just call him that. The Joker. Joker. Yeah. I can't say his real name. All right. So this is a fantastic conversation, Kyle. We appreciate you coming on the pod. Now, we got to uh, wind this thing down. Let's do it. Joker Nuggets. What is his actual name? I'm looking it up. I don't know his first name at all. Nikolai Jokic. I did know that. There we go. I did. Know we knew that. that. We're smart. We're basketball people. We follow basketball. 
Um, all right. So here on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, mm -hmm. I got to figure out where I want to keep... Oh, wait, 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 wait. We can't let you go without talking about your favorite comedian of all time. Okay. Like, who's somebody that you love? And then Bruce wants to know your favorite Celtic, since that's your team. Oh, okay. So you tell me which way you want to go first. Um, uh, you're, you're the host. All right, let's, we can end, let's end with comedy. We'll that's end with what comedy. I want to all right, let's for. rewind back to the Celtics. That's your team from NBA Live as a kid, 2K, whatever you well, Also, I grew up in St. Louis. So Which does had, not make sense. There's n what team do we have to root for? We pick. Oh, okay. When you grow up with no team, you choose the team. There is no home team. That's why when you said it, I was like, what? The Celtics? Like, you grew up in St. Louis. I'm, I'm thinking New Orleans, thinking Dallas, maybe. New Orleans? The Hornets? I mean, I don't know. You already <laughs> grew up in St. Louis. You might Nobody was rooting for Curry. Like. <laughs> Curry? No, not a thing. Might as well pile on. All right. Give us your favorite Celtic. Do you? Okay, wait. You are a fan of the Celtics as you remember them from your game experience? Or do you get into, like, crack open the books, watch the 30 for 30s? The history like, and all that, we're cool. I'm, I'm, I'm good on it. Okay. But I've, the, my favorite is the best one from my, t my lifetime. Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce. <laughs> Dad bod. Ah, yeah. And sharp elbows. He has those weird, like, you ever seen the grandpa from Hey Arnold? Yes. Those knobby, sharp <laughs> elbows. <laughs> You're such a clown. Um, Paul Pierce, dad bod. Long career, though. And his set shot. Like, if you got Paul Pierce, the ball in the right spot, like, right around the free throw line. It's mm -hmm. like those little corners. Mm -hmm. Money every time. Free throw line extended. Copy that. Um, he also played for the Wizards. Do you remember that part? I, I don't. That's after he left. He called That's game. After. That's after. <laughs> that was when, uh, isn't that back when, uh, what's my man, when Joe Johnson was crossing him up? Uh, or was he on the Nets? I think that was the Nets when Joe Johnson was killing him. Because with the Wizards, he was very much our leader, statesman. John Wall had a great relationship with him. He hit that game winner in the, I think it was a playoff game. He called game. There's a couple podcasts named that. Yeah. He earned the nickname The Truth from Shaq, so a strong, strong choice, my friend. Yeah, I mean, but also, like, Dennis Johnson, like... Okay. Fire. I don't I don't know. I, I don't want to go into it, but... You don't have to... What, what, it's an open space. Yeah, Paul Pierce is amazing. That's a good call. Yeah. It's a very strong call. It's I, an easy call, but yeah. if, not, if not Paul Pierce, even though, like, I just always loved Kevin Garnett. Um, Do you consider Kevin Garnett a real Celtic? Not really, he's but he's a champion for okay. the Celtics, and it couldn't have been done without him. And fun fact about me, I'm distantly related to Kevin Garnett. I must I must be like two or three cousins away from him. I don't know. I wish I had a picture of my Aunt Mona, <laughs> and you could see what Kevin Durant would look like as a woman. I mean, Kevin Garnett. You could see what Kevin <laughs> Garnett would look like as a woman. Kevin Durant's ugly woman are man. Wow. Kevin Garnett beautiful woman. Wow. Bruce says that he loved Dennis Johnson, so good call there. He also yeah. says Paul Pierce is the fourth best Celtic ever behind Russell, Hondo, Bird, and Pierce. Wait, and Pierce? Oh, wait. Pierce puts him, makes him. He's fourth behind those three guys. Okay. I Got mean, it. I don't I don't mind it, though. Okay. I know, Bruce, listen, this is why I love having Bruce, because he definitely brings in a little bit more sage wisdom seasoning. I mean, Bill Russell, honestly, is a fair call in any conversation if you say he's the best anything. It's fair. Yeah. Absolutely. You cannot argue against that. All right. Before we let you go, we've, we've talked the basketball side of you. We've touched on the comedy side of you. But I do want to know, Stuart Scott is someone who you resonate with in terms of authenticity. Who's a comedian or a few different comedians that you sort of resonate with? I don't. Are you in a space where you try to emulate people or are you trying to kind of find your own voice but also are like, hey, I like this guy? Uh, I'm not trying to emulate anybody, but there are certain people where it's like, maybe I'll have a joke finished and I'll be like, is this up to so-and-so standard? Would How would he attack this? Would he go deeper? Would he like play more physically? So like, I think that way, almost like if you're like, all right, I can make this shot, but how would Kobe get to his spot? Like, can I get there quicker? Can I put that elbow in your chest yeah. and get away with it? So it's, it's that where I'm not trying to emulate you, but I'll try to steal from you if I can. Like, why not? Like, I'm, I watch countless interviews. And anyways, I'm. let me give you my, Who are the guys? my list. Yeah, let us know. Number one, without question and without doubt and without hesitation, the number one comedian of all time is Dave Chappelle. The greatest influence, before I even wanted to be a comedian, was influence in my life because the Chappelle show was such a phenomenon. Like, I used to watch his show in secret. I had to sneak it. Wasn't allowed to watch like I'm Rick James, bitch. Like I was like, <laughs> I was like 12. So I was like, I had to sneak watch that and then go to school, and it was the greatest time ever. And also seeing him live, 
made me want to do stand-up. Where did you see him live? In St. Louis. I, I went to uh, University of Missouri, which is about two hours away, hour and a half. Drove down there, watched him with one of my best friends. And like while he's on stage, I just get like the sensation, like chills. I'm like, yo, I need to try this. And then like six months later, I dropped out of college and moved away from everything. Does that make you a Chappelle sexual? Uh, <laughs> I, I guess. I don't want to kiss him, but I guess, yeah. That's cool. Um, I, I know we were supposedly winding this down, but you dropped everything. You six credits away from a degree. Six. Yeah. I happen to know that your mom has Jamaican heritage, yes? Yeah. Um, that didn't play well. Mm-mm. I didn't tell him. Well, here's the thing. So when I dropped out, I was taking my last six credits online. So I was enrolled and I was like, Hey mom, dad, I don't need to be here to finish these classes. I'll just move home. Okay. And so then I went down there. And when I was down there um, not taking my classes, I was doing open mics. And the only reason I moved back to Houston from Missouri was because there was no place for me to do open mics where I was in college. And then I could, like, live with my parents for free and do these open mics. I had, like, a couple thousand saved up for my job. And that worked for how long till they put it together? They didn't. So I, so I did that Does for... Does your mom think that you have graduated from the University of Missouri to Well, they day? went to my graduation. because when you're enrolled like in that so it's like the last few credits were supposed to be were you there yeah yeah they called my name all that like (laughs) i was i qualified for graduation matter of fact if you have a political science degree i probably know more about it than you because i took so many poli sci classes more than like was required and then i also was supposed to get a sociology degree so i was dual degrees that i just said kiss my ass to Hmm. So do your parents know to this day that you... Yeah, yeah. Okay, there. So what happened was I ended up saying like, oh, you know what? I think I want to go to law school in New York. So guys, I'm going to move to New York. And this is after like three months of doing stand-up. And the only reason I moved to New York is because like I'm getting bumped off lists. I'm doing piece of shit open mics at 1 a.m. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense when I think I'm better than everyone here. At least if I move somewhere where the talent pool is real... I'll feel less bad about it. And to this day, I don't feel less bad about it. I'm going to be honest. But it was a great decision. And they found out, like, after I moved here, I was like, I, like on the way to the airport, I told my dad, like, so here's why I'm really moving to there. And he's like, what? <laughs> he was very, like, not with the shit. But then, uh, you know, I got here. And a few months later, maybe like eight months, nine months, my dad was in town. I did a show at NYU. He came and saw me, smashed that show. People coming up to me afterwards, whatever. And then he was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> Aww, I have your, you have their blessing now. Yeah. That's dope. Okay, Dave Chappelle. All right, who else we got? Uh, Dave Chappelle, number one. Uh, I'll give the local guys because the other guys aren't as great. Attention, listening audience. If you're in the New York area, the local guys. Here we go. But more than just local, but I mean like the guys I run with now. So Andre D. Thompson. He just. Uh, I don't know if he won. He's a, he's at least a finalist for NBC Stand-Up Showcase, which is a national search. He just went out and performed for them in L.A., killed that. He has networks, agents, everybody's on his back. He's been doing it for like eight years. Dude's a beast. Nice. Uh, my guy, Nico White, another beast. He's everywhere. Performs at the Comedy Cellar. Uh, he's been on True TV. He's done everything. And he's like, he's 25, but he's my OG in stand-up because he's been doing it for like 12 years. Nice. Uh, Dean David, up and comer, he's fire. He has a cool podcast, Under the Sheets, where you make a pillow for it and you get in it. But also, <laughs> killer, <laughs> killer podcast, killer comedian, future legend. Uh, Nori Davis, I don't know, if he's been on uh, Two Dope Queens. He's been on a lot of stuff. I like that show. He's he's a monster. Hey, I know we have this. I'm sorry to cut you off, but we have this conversation too about comedians. What do you think of the Black Lady Sketch Show? I have never watched it, okay. but I have not heard good things. There are some sketches that really resonate and others that I'm like, um, okay, maybe not. That's what I don't like about it because I think if you're not SNL, you don't have the luxury of taking sketches off. Mm. SNL can do that because they're making it every week, but that seems like a pre-produced show where you make your season and then you release your season. Yeah. If you're doing it week to week, okay, it can get hard. And that's why it's really like Weekend Update needs to be fire and maybe like two sketches out of that hour and a half that you're watching. Weekend Update is my fave. Because it's the best. It's the one thing where it's like a comedian has his voice 
and just puts it out there. Yeah. Everything uh, else is like, you got to be a character. You got to be this. You got to be that. Comedy is hard. It's not so hard. I've seen you do it. <laughs> so here's, okay, so here's our funny little story since we're doing this on YouTube. <laughs> Kyle, I shared with Kyle that it's something that I wanted to explore, right? Because being in the TV business, I do think the pliability, the quick twitch mentally, being able to respond makes people more authentic. And comedians have to be able to do that, right? Like you're reacting, you're telling good stories. Essentially, it's all storytelling. So I shared with Kyle that I was kind of interested. And then we found out we were having a talent show at this thing we were both at. And so Kyle's like, you're doing stand-up tonight, right? And I was like, I am? Am I? <laughs> and so the question, though, like you said earlier, was like, when do you feel the most funniest, right? Yeah. And so I think when I'm with my homegirls making astute observations, but they're, like, hilarious, like, that's when I'm flexing a little bit in my comedy bag, so to speak. But it's hard. I can't say that. I can't agree with you. It's the business side of it is way hard for me. But I think but. it's hard because you don't know your audience all the time. Nah, but that's not it, because it's not about the audience. I don't really care about the audience. And honestly, I might be in a minority of people when I say this, but the audience can kiss my ass every night, because at this stage in my career, I'm not filming anything for television. I'm not putting comedy out, although I have plenty of time like built up. Like I have jokes and jokes and jokes that's just never been seen by the public. I'm doing it so those things can be better when I actually put them out. So the audience who's here tonight... I thank you because I'm doing my best to get, make you give me your best. You know what I mean? And your best is going to make me make the best version of the things I'm putting out. I can't do it by myself. I need the audience. So in that sense, I got to please you. Okay. But for, okay. So in all of that, you're saying that the audience is just essential to the process because you got to get your reps. You got to the continue. only way you can't like think about how do you get strong if there's no weights on the bar? Right. No, I agree with you on that. But so the best comedians, I'm, if I'm hearing you right, the best comedians don't care about their audience. Well, not don't care, but it's like the audience doesn't matter as much as you matter, right? Because okay. any comedian should be able voice. to walk into any audience and be like, oh, I'm here in a group of neo-Nazis. I'm about to kill this as a young black dude. Okay. Or, or get killed, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like that's the mindset you have to have is like any audience, I'm here, and because I'm here, you will laugh. But is that... One in this, that's what I'm saying. That's hard because you're literally standing there. And mind you, it was how many people was at our little thing? 25, maybe, uh -huh. right? Like, and I felt really confident about some of the observations that I made. Those were things that were legitimately funny to me. Mm -hmm. But even when I get it, if it doesn't play, then there's no career, right? Or is it just a matter of time? No, if it doesn't work, maybe it didn't work now. Like, I have a joke that didn't work forever. Right. And then Gerard Carmichael started doing my joke. And I don't mean like stealing my joke. We just had a similar premise. Okay. Right. And the premise is family feud makes people more racist because you don't root for the other race when your race is on family feud. 100%. So we had a similar thought. And the way we go about dissecting it is different. But seeing him do that same joke. And I know he's going to release that ASAP made me go back and work on my version of it because I got to release it before him. That way I can at least say, like, I've been doing this joke longer. So if you see me do this joke later on, I'm not stealing from him. Got it. It just happened. And so it's like that now that joke, he inspired me to make that joke better, even though it wasn't working years ago. Now it hits every time. Huh. That's a good joke. OK. The 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 underbelly of comedy is that it can be very uncomfortable. You mentioned a guy that you admire, Chappelle. Yeah. And then what? A month ago, we get someone that was in one of his jokes commit suicide which is super unfortunate someone who's in one of his jokes i've never heard this you haven't heard that no there, i'm gonna pull it up because i don't want to the i need the dog tags kill confirmed i'm going to i'm pull it up I'm sorry um who's this sorry ben but i'm about to pull this up but he doesn't even name people when he does jokes it was the the link that like the alert on my phone was like somebody somebody in the transgender joke committed suicide the l's the b's the g's which one <sighs> hold on let me see if it comes up Oh, wait, that... All right. The the overall point is whether we pull this up or not is that sometimes comedy can be very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Particularly, here it is right here. Um. Wait a minute. All right, we'll talk about this after the fact. I'm not gonna get stuck here. And edit. All right. The thing about comedy is that it can be a little bit uncomfortable okay. sometimes, particularly in where we are as a society, political climate, whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. 
How do you deal with that? Like, do you have to embrace that? Like, do you, you're shaking your head. You it's don't not uncomfortable. People say that from the outside looking in, like, you got to watch what you're saying. You got to. It's not that. It's really like some people are afraid to be themselves because they're worried about what other people think. But if you're not a hateful person, if you're not somebody who's disparaging people just for the sake of putting others down, then another person outside of yourself can relate to you. Right. And that's the it. whole reason. Like if you told anybody who's like on the verge of committing suicide, don't do it. And they said, why? Wow, you'd be like, because there are people just like you. Right. Right. And that's the thing. Like there are people just like me and there are people who think like me, but don't say the things that I say because of fear or whatever. Like as reckless as I talk now, when I was a congressional intern, I talked the exact same way. When I was working in the public defender's office, I worked the exact same way. When I worked for 30 different law firms, the same freaking way I talk now where I'll be like, White women are evil. I'll say that anywhere at any time, but it's not like I hate. You know what I mean? Because I date them. I, I, we'll talk about I pay for their babies Continue. to die. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot deal with you. <laughs> but like, just being able to be free and reckless is my responsibility as a comedian. Now, if I'm worried about what you think, then that's affecting my own personal thoughts. If I thought it, I believe it. You know what I mean? Okay. So maybe if I thought something ridiculous where I was like, we should choke all Monica's. Wow. Right? If I just thought that, then it's like, okay, I need some inward reflection. <laughs> Obviously something's wrong with me. Who else could relate to that thought? Nobody. I'm deranged. Mm -hmm. But I'm a sane person. I relate to people. I'm a real person. Like I'm of my community. People can relate to the things I have to say. All right. I, that's a good way to put it, because you're right. Even though you might bristle at a joke sometimes, there is like, well, I am. It is kind of confusing to have to deal with X, Y, Z, or whatever. I, I like that. to come from a place where you disagree with my premise of my joke. You do like to come. I love that. I like to start a joke off with you disagreeing with the joke, and then give you so much logic got that you got to be like, hmm. That makes sense. Like you saw me do. I would say I did like 20 minutes of jokes for you guys. You guys let me do a private stand-up session. So fun. You're so talented. Did, did, thank you. <laughs> I did like 20 minutes of jokes. And one of those jokes that I did was I have this math problem that's like a, a woman's worth $8. A good woman's worth $8, right? What woman can agree with that? What regular person can agree with that? But then you'd be like, oh, it is a little bit rational once he gets into the real, like the meaning of it is rational. The logic behind it is sound. So you're like, oh, he's just being silly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the whole purpose, like that joke's so deep now where the purpose of the joke is value women. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I wish, I, we won't because you guys got to check out Kyle when you get an opportunity. But that was, because definitely when you started that joke, I was like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and then we go down this rabbit hole and it was a very creative comedic way to make the point, which was a strong point. Um, what NBA player mm -hmm. do you think would be a good comedian? Oh, it's Blake Griffin. He's apparently okay, a comedian don't use now. Him like, because he's a comedian. We know that. Not him. But who's actually funny? Uh, Joel Embiid, probably. Could do stand up or could be like a funny guy in a movie? He could be a funny. I mean, Shaq is already that. Yeah. Like, he could be Shaq in a movie, making cameos for sure. Okay, who, who could do stand up other than Blake? Like, just of what you know, what you kind of perceive. Um. I like Andre Drummond, man. I've hung out with him. He's seen, like, he's made me laugh in a private conversation. So I, I think if he worked at it, yeah, he's a, like, he's a pretty engaging dude. He's like one of those big men who's atypical for a big man. He has, like, super engaging, doesn't have this crazy voice that's hard to listen to. <laughs> I like him. I like, uh, who's really funny. Westbrook is funny. Like, I can see Westbrook, he could be like a Larry David type of comedian where he's just talking about all the things that annoy him and just going in on it with full anger and contempt. Don't you? That was funny. I was joking a little bit. I can see that. All right, Kyle, this is how we wrap things up on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Bruce, feel free to text in how you think we should give Kyle a category for this. Um, the bucket, I'm, just, I'm thinking of the category as I talk this through. The bucket is the A++ thing. It's something that you love. Give me more of this. The board is something that you don't love as much, but it has some silver lining, some redeeming qualities to okay. it. The block is get that out of here. I don't want any parts of that. Right? Ooh. So Bruce says that you should give me a block, but I'm trying to figure out what category I want to give you. Like, do I want to keep it within comedy and sports, kind of collision, or just straight up comedy? Oh, the block. Give me, hmm, 
I do want to hear your block on comedy, actually. Like something on that, comedy? Something? Like on whether it be somebody that's gone super mainstream that you think is terrible or whether it's a take. Like, what do you want to see us get rid of as far as comedy? I don't like people who appeal to their audiences. Like, and in, in me saying that, it's that you're saying something because you know it's what they want to hear. If you're not challenging your audience as a comedian, why are you here? Because honestly, I'm paid to be a witty philosopher, right? I give you a thing that I thought about life, and I try to get you to at least resonate with it in some way. But people who come out and they'll be like, like they'll be like, men, am I right? Pigs. Like, I don't, I'm not a fan of it. You gotta, there needs to be nuance and depth and complexity. That's what makes a good joke, and that's what, that's what makes Chappelle, like, my goat. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's a weak ass block though. Like, no, I mean, Bruce loved it. He said you're cool. He loves that. <laughs> I think he was impressed with your witty philosopher. Wait, let me give you one of each, and you pick the All best right. one. <laughs> okay, you're bored. All right, this something... is the redeeming quality, silver lining. At first glance, you're kind of like, eh, but then it's okay. All right, my board. Uh, that'll be Kanye West. Please tell us Kanye more. Kanye is my board. There's the redeeming quality of him is he found Jesus. <laughs> glory amen right like that's the thing that makes you be like all right we should give him a chance like i don't even feel bad skipping like so if i was to listen to trap music all day i'd be like all right skip 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 you can't skip over gospel music when it comes up and shuffle like, it does something to your soul and then also like the new album is black church i that's I, I, you know my mom's jamaican my dad's british but also his family's jamaican so i grew up in church Okay, all right. We're gonna have a little conversation here, and then we're gonna get to your bucket. Yes, I, th I. Mm, okay, how do I feel about Kanye? I, everybody's journey is their own, and I'm definitely not here to say that this is for show or antics. I think Kanye is very sincere. Mm -hmm. I also think Kanye, to your point, represents a lot of people who are searching, looking for whatever it may be. Right? Okay. For me, faith is real. That's something that angers my soul. Shout out to you, Kanye. Join, join us. Whatever. Um, but I do understand some hesitancy about Kanye, but I think as a, as people, as human beings, we have to get out of this idea of someone can only be one thing, right? Yeah. Like I can listen to your Jesus King and can't stand the fact that you would put on a MAGA hat. Like that's crazy to me. I mean, listen to this interview alone. I've said, I'll pay to kill a white woman's baby. <laughs> oh my and God. also <laughs> oh my God. I love church. <laughs> like nobody <laughs> is one thing. But we like people, and I think people have to understand that. And my mom always says, "You give people room to be who they are." So in the case of Kanye, and you're bored, I'm giving Kanye room to be who he is. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. And now we're moving on to your bucket. Okay. Which and is your thing that you love? A plus plus. Give me more ooh, in comedy. Ooh, in Not comedy. Dave Chappelle either. In comedy. Not Dave Chappelle. Give me more. Give me more opportunities for the guys you don't actually know in the mainstream. How long does it take before a name becomes mainstream? That, there's no like telling, especially with the internet. Okay. It could take tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> like, there's no, but traditionally, here's the path. The path of the traditional pre-social media is it takes 10 years to be good at stand-up comedy. In my opinion, I think it's age, right? However long you've been doing comedy, that's your comedic age and level of intricacy, right? Mm -hmm. So I am a toddler. I'm four years old. I'm almost ready to get into school with the big boys, even though I might not be on their level yet. Because once I'm five, I'm in kindergarten. Let's do this shit. A guy like Chappelle, he's 30 years old. He's a grown man. Chris Rock, he's 30 years old. He's a grown man. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see the difference between him and a guy who's also amazing like Dimitri Martin, but he's only been doing it for like 15, right? You're a teenager. You're comparing yourself to a grown man. Got it. So right. that's like that. But there's just not a lot of opportunity if you don't have followers these days. And that's the one good thing about Snapchat is that's where my followers are. Like mm -hmm. I can prove to you I have millions of views every week. Things work out for me. You're popping. Uh, the show is. <laughs> <laughs> You're popping. Well, you made this show popping, Kyle. You know you're my guy. I, KP. Yeah, I, it's so good to have you. I don't know. We'll see how much of this conversation has to get edited. But a lot, a lot. <laughs> I had a blast with it. Bruce seems to enjoy following along in our combo on our texts. Shout out to Ben, our editor. All right, Kyle. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh man, KP, Kyle Pennett, everybody. Woo! Oh yeah. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Big, big, big thank.
thanks to our guy, Kyle Pennant, for coming through and rolling with me for Buckets, Boards, and Blocks this week. If you are in New York or in St. Louis over the holidays, definitely check out Kyle. He's doing fantastic work on Hype School, available on Instagram and Snapchat through our friends over at Overtime, which is a company that just continues to grow. Uh, big shout out to our producer, Bruce Bernstein. This podcast would not be possible without him. He joined us via text message today. Shout out to Bruce. And our extraordinary editor, Ben Wolfen, who is also our phenomenal cameraman on this episode. Please make sure you check out the rest of our Pure Hoops Media shows. This week on the Mike Wise Show, it's part two of the David Stern interview with Mike. So there's part one and part two. Make sure you check out both of those. They have been phenomenal. Then we want to make sure you know about the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. That drops every Friday. And recently we've given you a bonus episode on Tuesdays. So listen into that one as well. And soon we've got some exciting new details. Catch and Shoot 2.0 will be relaunching soon. So make sure you listen into our other podcast. We'll keep you up to date on that one. That is going to do it. Of course, on Thursdays. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with yours truly. We appreciate all of our listeners. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, comment, engage with us. And until next podcast, y'all, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 